You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Welcome back once again to your friends at Kapow, the pop culture podcast. My name is Jordan Love. I'm Cliff Barnes. I'm Seth. Nick made cookies. Oh, homemade? Yeah. Well, he didn't make make the Reese pieces, but he put them in there. (laughs) So that sound, you're going to hear Cliff's dishwasher, and you're going to hear Seth eating cookies. And going, mmm. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> We're Zooming still. We are socially distanced and conversing through the magic of Zoom. If you're a patron, you can see it all happen live. You can see how tasty the cookies are. If not, you're mm. just audio. You're in for a treat with just the audio as well. Yeah, you can't see how, how noisy my dishwasher is. <laughs> We're going to talk to you a little comics right now. How about that? Learn us. Tell us all the comic stuff. Well, the biggest news, DC Comics left Diamond Comic Distributors. I'm not sure what that means to the layman out there, to just the casual fan. It was the biggest portion of my last few weeks, I'll say that. Um this was kind of a bombshell. They have Diamond has been the exclusive distributor of uh, monthly periodicals, not just comics. There, you know, bookstores can get graphic novels and trade paperbacks, but if you want the monthly comic book format, you have to go through Diamond. Until now, DC has left them, and it sent ripples throughout the industry. We'll say. Um, so when this pandemic started, DC was the first one to come out and say, we're going to find other avenues. We're going to get you comics. And thinking it was just a temporary solution. Well, Diamond got back up and running. And within a few weeks, they said Diamond was not just another option. It was now it was not an option. You had to go to one of these new distributors because they were, they were ending their exclusive contract and just going through one of these other two. And if you remember, the other two are also part of the two largest online retailers on the planet, Midtown Comics and DCBS.com. Right. So right now I am buying all my DC comics through an online retailer. So I thought that's kind of like, you know, if your favorite cafe had to buy all their hamburger patties from you know mcdonald's and then resell them or you know your your favorite mom and pop bookstore had to buy all their inventory from amazon like it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but that's that's where we are right now that's what's happening and i'm fine i'm fine everything's great how are you (laughs) yeah that was so i would originally i would have thought that 
it would possibly be better news that it was no longer a monopoly by Diamond, but... There have been... Yes, there's been two reactions to this. There has been the, this is the end of the world, comic industry has been destroyed, or there is the, finally, the monopoly is down and we can build something better in its place. But to me, if, if I was given the option... You can stay with Diamond, or there's these other new things that are doing better, new, innovative things. Then it's not a monopoly anymore. But to go from having one choice to get DC Comics to having a different choice to get DC, you know, I'm being forced to switch. So it's not really, you know, a better option or, you know, we haven't ended a monopoly. But DC Comics, as of last year, was 30% of the market. So there has been some justifiable worry that you know diamond is the direct market that's all there is and if you cut out they were already you know when when they shut down within two weeks they were having trouble paying their bills diamond is not a you know a robust you know million dollars in the bank cushion kind of business it goes you know it's very thin margins like all of us in the comic world and if you cut out 30 percent of that just immediately, I, I don't know how healthy Diamond is right now. So if something huh. happens to Diamond, that's every retailer on the planet. That's every publisher besides DC on the planet. That's 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 all the artists making their living from comics. So if the worst happens and Diamond can't sustain themselves, I don't know what the, the next plan is. So there's a lot of people thinking DC is pretty short-sighted doing this. And it didn't help their case that they kind of, they just broke this news on a Friday and said, oh yeah, by the way, we're leaving Diamond. You have like a week and a half to set up a new account. You know, all your orders have been canceled. You got to fill in all these new orders and uh, good luck with it. And they didn't have anything set up for international shipping. So stores not in America didn't have an option and weren't told what to do. They didn't have the terms. They didn't have the conditions. They didn't have the, the fees I'd be paying. So it would just, it all happened really fast. And I don't know, there was just a whole lot of, uh, you know, conspiracy theories and what is, what is DC doing? Um, that uh, Chuck Rosansky from Mile High Comics put out a long screed about them and had a sale and the sale code was DC sucks and everything DC is 50% off and we got to get rid of it. And there were stories, I'll never carry DC again, or I'm going out of business because I can't sustain it. So there was a lot of, again, I don't know how it's just hyperbole or not, but there are a lot of strong reactions. But I, I personally, I don't think most people care where the book, they just want to go in a store and see their books. You know, when they have a pull list, they want their books in the pull list. They don't care how the sausage is made. So I don't know <laughs> if it's just my own personal problems. I'm not here to just, you know, air dirty laundry and, and, and gripe about stuff. And, you know, I signed up for the new place. I put an order in. I, I'm making it work. We'll see how it works. I haven't uh, I haven't received the new order yet. That'll be July before the new stuff starts coming. So, But there's no real going back at this point, though. I mean, right. they've done it. Yeah. And then, you know, they've made their bed now. Figure it out. Exactly. And there's been a lot of discussion of what this means and what's going on. And at the same time, there's this breaking news of this. There's going to be this new digital push from DC. 
they're going to start you know doing more exclusively digital books and digital first books and there's this renewed interest in selling books in walmart repackaging older stuff or trade paperbacks or whatever getting them more into walmart um the bookstore they've been they've had good success with their younger readers digest sort of size books and getting those into libraries and bookstores and things like that so this feels to some people like this is just dc giving up on the direct market that with the at&t takeover they bought warner brothers warner brothers had a whole bunch of movies coming out this summer that are now not coming out so that's a whole lot of debt at&t just took on so hey we have to cut any corner we can and with comic books what's you know what's how important are comic books we can we can squeeze that that side of things a little bit wow it just seems unfathomable to me that they could just not possibly could cut a lot of that out and just not do them anymore. I've, this was my worst fear when this stuff started getting so profitable and being bought out by these giant companies that, again, somebody looks at it and says, you know, if we sell X amount of these, these things at Walmart at every Walmart in the country in a month, that's basically what all these dumb stores are ma- are making for us. This is way easier to just sell them to Walmart, sell them digitally, sell them to bookstores. Like, why are we even worrying with this antiquated old system of monthly periodicals? It doesn't make any sense. So, so, but but doesn't most isn't most of those sales direct market? Yeah, yeah, but it's still it's not enough. You know, it's these aren't the movie. Yeah, you know, this is not the billion dollar movie right. industry. It's still small potatoes comparatively, but yeah, the, the, there's not a big subscription market, you know, mail order subscription, that sort of stuff. So yeah, the, the, the biggest market is still comic shops, but, but I can't, if they're looking at the future and thinking we have to diversify, we have to, you know, we can, we have to do more things online and more things direct to consumer. Like, yeah, you have the every right, you, you know, you're a billion dollar company. You should sell your books however you want to. I don't have any reason to complain. You shouldn't, again, hold hold back innovation and 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 new initiatives just to fit into the retailer's little puzzle. But again, it just seemed I, I didn't get a strong business plan from them. It just seemed like everyone's distracted with this virus thing. Let's just do it now. Hurry. And they, they feel like they're trying to get away with something, which is my my biggest negative with it. Is there still the real possibility, like you like you mentioned, that net with DC gone, Diamond ends up going out of business, and just some other company, exactly like Diamond, comes on board, or maybe they're backed by AT and T or Warner Brothers, whoever, and they just step in in place of Diamond. Yeah, a lot of people have asked. Does DC have any skin in the game? Or do they own any part of these distributors or not? And no, no one has got an answer to that. So we don't know why DC pushed these other two, if they are like part owners of it or what it is. But yeah, there, there's right now there's no other option than Diamond. Someone would scramble and figure it out. But you know what happens in the meantime? <laughs> I don't know. The the interesting thing, though, is I read a book this past week. I will hold it up to the cameras if you're watching. Oh, Comic yeah. Comic Wars, Marvel's Battle for Survival. Turn that sideways. I want to see the thickness. The other way. There you go. 
It's like three. Yeah. It's three hundred pages. Give me um, a give me a page example. It's there's not a whole lot of pictures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, author How do you tell Dan, what's going on? Author Dan <laughs> Revive, published in two thousand two. So this is after the nineties, but not quite. Is not to where. You know, this is way before Iron Man and you know Marvel's big return. Right. So I I ordered this book years ago, just thinking it sounded interesting and I would read it one day, and just never had. So this DC news made me think. A lot of people are comparing this to the Heroes World debacle of Marvel in the '90s, and I don't know too much about that. So I figured I'd read this book and maybe learn something. This is not that. Um, I don't think I recommend this book. It's very dry. It's not really from the comic art perspective. It's from the business side. And it is 300 pages of legal document. Oh, no, they don't show the documents or anything. But it, you know, it's, it's an interesting story, but it's all about murders and lawyers. And murders? Murder. Is there any tennis? There's lots of tennis. There's Perlmutter on every page. There's no DNA theft though, so I, I kept skipping for But yeah, it's just it's the and then this this guy tried to take over this. So this they did a lawsuit about this. But there was something interesting, that old chestnut about learning from history so we don't repeat it. Long story short, the, the people at the top, the billionaires, the people running things, it's no surprise. They don't care about comics. They're not in this for the art and for the, you know, the creation of wonderful comic books. It is all about short-term profit. It's all about making sure the stock price is as, as high as it can be and as healthy as it can be so they can flip it and sell it later at a huge profit. And it's no different today than it was then. Um, so it's the story is basically here. Here's here's a hook for you. Isaac Perlmutter, our favorite supervillain, is like the best person in this book. Wow. He is like the hero of this book. Wow. What kind I of... Came, I came away from this having a different opinion of Ike Perlmutter. What? I, I this is breaking can... news. <laughs> well, you have to remember, this is also pre-tennis court scandal. True, true. But, uh, so it starts with Ron Perlman who ran Marvel from 1989 until mid-1997. Oh Ronald Perlman. Uh, so he's a oh billionaire. Boy. He is the he, he owned Revlon and a whole bunch of other smaller things. So he was the Revlon guy. He hung out with, you know, they had Revlon makeup models, and he, he had the big cigar, and he hung out with models at, at all these places. And he was like king of junk bonds. And I'm going to do a big allegedly over this whole thing. Wimp. Just an umbrella allegedly. This is wimp, alleged. wimp, wimp. Especially because I'm not sure I'll be able to explain it right because I didn't understand all of it. It's, make some stuff up. It's if, very, you're gonna, if you're going to allegedly it, just go make some crap up. <laughs> so it's very complicated economics. But basically, he was like this junk bond guy. And I don't understand what that is or what that means. But my understanding, it's using he basically used marvel as the collateral to sell a bunch of bonds to people and saying like this is a great company it's a healthy company it'll be around forever and doing these short-term deals on high interest uh bonds 
that he would flip and sell and turn around, but there was no there was no money behind him. It was just like the idea of Marvel was enough we collateral. Should, we should sell Kapow junk bond. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. I want one hanging in Justin's office. <laughs> we'll issue the paper bonds. Everyone can buy a Kapow. One dollar gets you a Kapow bond. Right. Uh, so income. I'm gonna get a cigar and some models. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be promoter then. I'll learn how to play tennis. So in comes Carl Eichen, self-made billionaire from the real estate world and a total corporate raider. Just one of those guys who goes in, buys stuff cheap, dismantles it, sells the parts, fires everyone, and makes a bunch of money. So Perlman, so, so he sells all these bonds in the early 90s when Marvel's at their boom and selling millions of copies of X-Force and all these all these books. So then some bad stuff happens in about 94 or so. Marvel had, they bought Fleer and Skybox, the, the trading card company. They bought Panini Stickers, which was an Italian sticker company, which were those books. You'd buy the book and the little packs of stickers and try to fill in. Uh, you, know, you have to collect all the stickers to fill in all the pages. Um and then they bought Heroes World Distributors and went exclusive trying to distribute their own comics. So at that point, there were like a dozen comic distributors. You could you could order comics, a lot of them were regional. So if you were in the Midwest, you ordered from this place from Michigan or wherever. There were lots of choices. So Marvel got the bright idea, as DC has just done. Hey, we'll do it exclusively through ours. You can only get them through Heroes World and we'll make even more money. So 94, there's a baseball strike. Baseball cards yeah. are the first bubble to burst. I still have a bone to pick with that. Yeah. We were winning. <laughs> Cleveland fans, everyone. 94 is a sore subject. Yeah. But uh, so, boom. Fleer value plummets. Uh, Heroes World is a complete flop. Comic book bubble bursts. So Marvel ends up owning, owing over $700 million to all these banks who underwrote all these loans because Perlman was taking huge profits out of the company and then just getting more bank loans to pay for more expenditures for all this stuff. So they, owned, they owed the bank a ton of money and had nothing to back it up. They would go bankrupt. In swoops Carl Icahn, the billionaire, who's going to buy all these distressed, depressed stocks at pennies on the dollar. He's going he's gonna to buy so much stock, he's going to be a majority owner, and then he's going to scoop up Marvel. Well, all this time, Mr. Isaac Perlmutter's in the background as the owner of Toy Biz, the toy manufacturing company. So Perlmutter, so he is a millionaire compared to these billionaires. He is not playing on the same field as these guys. And he made his money, he was the Odd Lots Corporation, and a lot of these like liquidators. So he would go in, buy a bunch of stock for pennies, sell it to dollar stores and turn a small profit and then invest that. So he was like a liquidator guy. Cliff, what is the difference between odd lots and big lots? Uh, there is none. Back. But the... <laughs> it, it was regional back in um, the very early 80s. Any, they were headquartered in Columbus, still are. Um, any store within 90 mile radius of Columbus was an odd lot store. 
Wow. Outside of that, we had big lots, big and small lots, um, Wisconsin toy, a whole baby bizarre lots. Yeah, a whole mess of different <laughs> chains. At one point, they actually even owned KB Toys. So um, about 2001, they consolidated all the stores under one name. And from then on, it was just big lots. Thank you. Should have been Ike, Ike Lots. Yeah. So you, Bed, you had, you had big lots. <laughs> you had Ike to thank for all that. So he 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 would like start these companies or go in and sell a company. He would you know liquidate everything, fire everyone. So he was he was the same sort of person who would make these this profit and then move on to the next thing. But somehow he got into this toy biz company and stayed there for like. 20 years and he, he he was even quoted as saying i'm not normally like this i'm not sure what i'm doing but he they made a shares for licensing deal with marvel so a toy company's biggest expense are the licenses they pay to make the toys you know it's based on things so marvel said hey we won't charge you a license you'll make more profit but you know you'll you'll be a subsidiary of Marvel. We'll put all our Marvel exclusively exclusively through Toy Biz. So hey, that's a good deal. You can't make toys any cheaper than they did, which is Ike's favorite thing is to make things as super cheap as possible. So he was happy. They were making money. The toy side of things was strong, even when the comics weren't. So all these billionaires fighting over Marvel, Isaac sees it as he's in trouble. They, this Anything that happens, they're going to sell off Toy Biz or like the billion, these billionaires do, they they keep a profitable company and under the same umbrella as an unprofitable company. So then you can write off the losses and don't not pay taxes on your profitable company because look, this other company lost a whole bunch of money and it's all corporate nonsense and it's all frustrating and infuriating. But anyway, there's this whole, there's this like five-year lawsuit, this bitter fight between all these guys. And it was an interesting story, but it was also just depressing and sad. Um, it, at, at some point, it was saying all the people they brought in to try and sell Marvel to at its lowest, Warner Brothers took a look at it, Sony took a look at it. Like all these giant corporations are like, nah, we're good. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't need Marvel. So Marvel was in a very real sense could have just died and stopped publishing. And one of the biggest reasons they stuck around was actually uh, Avi Arad, who was Ike's number two at Toy Biz. And he he was like the only person around who was a fan of comics and a fan of these characters and would like evangelize about them. And he would go to these roadshows they would have for investors and be like, look at these characters look at you know we got the incredible hulk we got spider-man and he would like pump people up and like get them excited about these characters so he ended up being the hollywood guy because these other guys didn't want to make movies movies were too risky you know you might have a blockbuster every couple years but there was way too much money up front it was all just we need to flip we need to flip the stocks as fast as we can and make as much as we can we don't want to take any risk beyond what we have to so so Ike and Avi are like playing both sides against the other and trying to keep Marvel afloat just so they stay afloat. And it, it, it was, it was an interesting story. And um, 
so uh, yeah, Avi became the producer who got Spider-Man made and X-Men made. And so this, this book ends on a exciting high note that you know Daredevil just came out and Fantastic Four is on the way. And it was like, Marvel's back and at the height, as high as they'll ever be. So this book was written before these billion dollar movies. So it was an interesting little slice of history. Uh, it does mention Kevin Feige as like uh, Avi Arad's like number two guy and on the creative side of things and helping him in these movies, talking to the writers and the actual uh, movie makers and helping to get these made. So, this, but the biggest takeaway for this in relation to the DC thing is the whole process was this long shift away from making stuff and being a publisher and, and making toys and, 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 and lunchboxes and all this thing and becoming an IP farm and just licensing stuff because that's when they started becoming profitable. They weren't making these movies. They were licensing to Sony and they were licensing to Universal and they were licensing to the video game corporations and they were just getting checks and everyone else was taking the risk. So that seems to me where DC is right now. That's why we have Marvel characters, not in Walt Disney World, but over, well, I mean, some are coming, but the main ones are still over at Universal Parks. Yeah, so there were some bad contracts signed, at least bad in retrospect. You know, when they were bankrupt and no one thought <laughs> there was much value in these, I can see why they were made. But So it just seemed like no one was approaching this as like, this is the mythology of the 20th century and these are important icons to keep saying. It was just money. And they're like, the comics aren't making much money, the toys aren't making much money. And they weren't looking at it as... As Avi has has been famed for saying, you know, Spider-Man was worth a billion dollars. He would go to these meetings and say, just make a movie. The movie will get the pajamas and the bed sheets and the breakfast cereals. The, the, just this one character is worth a billion dollars. And he was right. He was absolutely right. Um, so and it, it just keeps it reminds me if you've ever watched Shark Tank. Uh, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, any deal they want to make, someone will say, I, I invented this thing and I need $50,000. I need to make the mold for it and I need to run a production line. And he will just say, I don't want to do that. Let's license it. Let's go to one of the bigger manufacturers and just sell it and cash the checks. And that seems to be the way of all corporate America right now. We're like, why go to the hassle of making things and producing things? Who cares? Just have someone else do it, and then they'll pay us for it. So I, I this has happened <laughs> in recent history with Marvel. I think it's happening now. I, I, I hope it's not happening with DC, but that seems to be the way it's leading. So I, I don't know. I yeah, it's I know it's it's answering only to your investor. It's not answering to the consumer. You know. That that's what it comes. That's how that's what corporations are. That's the only thing they're ever interested in is investors make the stock price go up. So the investors are happy. Right. So yeah, if you're looking at any of this news, thinking what are they doing to my precious DC universe? They they don't care. That's not entering into their thoughts at this moment. Somebody down the chain, probably 50 links down the ladder, is worried about that. But it's not the people at the top. And again, I, I don't know if that's uh, that's 
revisionist history or not, I I was a you know I was a huge comic book fan. I don't really remember that thinking very much about the bankruptcy back then. I probably wasn't reading as many as I normally did in those late '90s years. But I don't remember being worried that Spider-Man was going to go away or anything. Like I don't know if we got the news <laughs> as readily as we do today back then. Hmm. Well, we need a billionaire to swoop in and take care of Kapow and create a whole thing, license us out. I need a Coach Mayor figure (laughs) with stash, with action stash and judo punch. (laughs) I saw them the other day at the grocery store. I was so upset. He had his mask on. And I couldn't see the mustache. I was. I even told him that. I was like, I'm really disappointed. <laughs> so, yeah, who knows where we are. Um, I don't think comics will ever go away, but I think we're in a pretty strange time and there's going to be some upheaval and some changes. But somebody will write a book about it someday and then somebody will do a podcast about that book and it'll be exciting. Well, now I know not to buy that book. It was on my list, but... Sounds I, I, like a drag. I'm glad I read it. Just I learned some things. I'm glad I you read know, it too. But, yeah. yeah, it's definitely better for somebody else to read it and then explain it back to yeah, me yeah, than yeah, it is for me to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll uh, keep on with the bummer train. Uh, cool. Denny O'Neill passed away this week at the age of 81. Uh, very important writer, editor for both DC and Marvel. Uh, probably not the biggest name around, which is sad. He probably really? did a little, a little more recognition. Well, when you think of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and those those sorts of names, I guess I just I think he's, he's he's a huge name. Hmm. You kind of universally liked, as far as I can yeah. tell. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I say, everybody who worked for him loved him. The fans loved him. Uh. He. He added, he well, he added politics to comics. Um, we say keep politics out of comics today. Well, he was one of the first to inject it and make comics. You know, the, it was the relevant seventies. You know, everything had to be relevant, and it was really his his take on things. And he he was he added a lot of personality to his characters and psychological depth that maybe wasn't there before asking you know looking at green lantern and saying you know you're a space cop who takes orders and never questions what these guys tell you to do you know what are you doing and it's making him you know confront like what is he doing is he a hero or is he just following orders is he a is he a superhero is he a soldier what is he you know that sort of thing so yeah that that green lantern green arrow series that he did with neil adams doing the art was a breakthrough uh for comics back then he was credited with uh, bringing Batman after the Adam West era and the campy silliness. He grounded it back into more noir, crime, horror, sort of uh, the darker, darker edge, Dark Knight detective. Uh, as an editor, he hired Frank Miller for Daredevil and, and helped him, helped him uh, craft Daredevil's change into that hard-boiled noir hero. He was the editor when Jason Todd was killed and the 1-900 number and all that stuff. He he was credited with naming Optimus Prime when the Marvel had the Transformers license. Yeah. 
Uh, so, yeah, just from the 1960s and the 1990s, and both Marvel and DC, huge presence. Co-creator of Ra's al Ghul and Talia al Ghul, Azrael, Lady Deathstrike, Hydro Man, Obadiah Stane, the Ironmonger, Madam Web, Maxi Zeus, Leslie Tompkins, and John Stewart Green Lantern, among many, many others. So, yeah, just... Uh, Incredible contributions to the comic field, and he will be missed. Yes. Wow, comics, comics. Ah, Heroes Con was would have been this weekend. Saw a lot of people tweeting about that today. My buddy Jerry Ordway was tweeting. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I was looking forward to talking to him about his pool again this year, but he. <laughs> Yeah, he he ever he was retweeting someone that had come one another artist can't remember who it was but saying he's like we as artists we seclude ourselves doing our work he's like how they really do enjoy going to these cons because that's when they do their socializing they like to sit there and talk to all the fans and socialize with each other and you know so they're like they're good. They're fine, good at staying at home. But this was their release. These conventions and and that here is con and I guess apparently is are traditionally on Father's Day and that's was this weekend and it was a great time last year. So I hopefully next year it's a possibility. That's the one Larry Hama was going to be at too, wasn't it? Right. Very devastated because I was really looking forward to seeing Larry Hama. Friend of show, Larry Yama. Friend of show, friend of the pod. All right, a few more comic book type things. There's, ugh. There was a story today, broke about Warren Ellis. I don't even want to get into it. There have been a whole bunch more Me Too allegations, and now Warren Ellis is kind of the biggest name involved, uh, just being a gross old man. And I don't, he was, he's a very good writer, but... I'm not going to stick up for him because who knows? I, I, I don't know the whole story, but we just need to move on from all that nonsense. Let's talk about good news. Free comic book day. It's not free comic book day this year. It's free comic book summer. It's going to be nine weeks long, starting July 15th, running through September 9th. Every Wednesday, they're going to release five or six new free comics. Wow. So from the list of books from this, this year, they already announced, you're just going to get a couple a week. Do with them whatever you want. There's no rules. There's no plan. I like that idea, though. Yeah, I, mean, I bet you do. I mean, well. <laughs> well I mean, isn't that, that's probably good for you. Is yeah. People into the store, right? Right. More consistently. Instead of doing just one day, hey, you can come back every week and get a couple, a couple books. I, my only worry is that that day a lot of my regulars don't even come because they're not that interested in the freebies, and there's usually not a quote unquote important book that day. So it is just a lot of kids and and civilians and new faces. Civilians. Civilians. So I don't, I don't know, will those kind of folks come on back on a weekly basis? We'll, we'll find out, I guess. Um, 
yeah, they're going it, to, it's, and it's probably smarter than trying to have one big event. We, you know, we shouldn't be having those sorts of events right now. So yeah, stop by your favorite local shop. Any, anytime this summer, there should be some freebies out there to have. And there's a schedule in line. There'll be different books each week. They're going to spread out the big ones, you know, the, the quote unquote gold sponsors, they call them that are from the big publishers. So there'll be something out there for you to enjoy. Cool. And then we got a surprise news from Image Comics. There's going to be another issue of Walking Dead. Yeah. Negan Lives. Coming out Wednesday, July 1st. So depending on how quickly this episode comes out, it might already be out. Kirkman loves his little surprises. He loves his little uh, his games, his, his surprise sneak drops. I think it's great news. Um Kudos to Image. They were the first ones on top of this whole uh, virus problem, trying to help retailers. And Kirkman said the same thing. He was quoted, this felt like something special we could do for the store owners who made our series a success to begin with. To that end, I'm happy to report that 100% of the revenue generated from this book will go to the stores selling it. The retailer community does backbreaking work to get comics into the hands of our loving fans, we should all be doing more in these trying times to show them how appreciated they are. Unquote. Preach it, Robert Kirkman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's this takes place after the final issue of Walking Dead. Um, Negan was not seen since issue 174. He had a confrontation with Maggie. There's a dramatic moment, and Negan's not seen again. Um, but then in that final issue, and the little essay Kirkman wrote in the back, it said, P.S. Negan lives. So there was always that little hint he was going to follow up on it somehow. I think he just used this opportunity as a good reason to do it. And yeah, they, they just secretly announced it. It's coming in, you know, a, a week after the announcement. It just, they matched it to my orders. Whatever I ordered for that last issue of Walking Dead, they're sending me that many Negans. Hmm. And they, they're sending them to me for free. So it's, 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 it's all profit for me. And it's, that's an awesome you know, I've sold a, I've sold an awful lot of Rocking Dead trades and it comics over the years. So Kirkman appreciates that. I appreciate him. You know, losing a Walking Dead issue every month was a was a was kind of a blow to comic shops. So he he recognizes that and as so that's up. more than just the profit. That's that's like they're giving yeah if they're yeah. gonna do it for free and they're crediting the shipping as well. I don't even have to pay for the shipping though. What? Too much. <laughs> Kirkman's good people. You're going to get spoiled. <laughs> Can I have one nice thing? No. Uh, not so this it comes nice. Out, it comes out the same day as his new book. See, here's where he gets oh, you. Oh, wait a minute. His new book, Firepower, with Chris Samney. Uh, the same day the Prelude original graphic novel comes out. And the free comic book day number one issue comes out is the day this comes out. So if you're a Kirkman fan, head your favorite comic book shop, get a free Firepower number one, and pick up Negan's story and support your local comic shop. All and, uh, free. Free for everyone. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, no, I mean, Whoa. it's four ninety nine cover book. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, the big summer events have started. Marvel has started Empire. Oh, uh, with a Y. M P Y E M P Y R E Empire. 
This is the whole Cree scroll thing going on. The Cree scroll thing. The famous Cree scroll thing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So we've just had the preview issue. It actually hasn't come out yet, but it will by the time this airs. Uh, So the Cree and the scroll have united under a new emperor, and they've got a fleet of warships headed toward Earth. The Avengers are on the moon ready to do battle. Fantastic Four are out in space trying to solve it through diplomacy. Neither of those things is going to work, so it's going to be a big cosmic dust-up. And for some reason, Hulkling Teddy Altman from the Young Avengers is in the middle of it as sort of a the fabled leader of this Kree-Skrull alliance. Yeah. yeah. So that's Marvel's big to-do. Al Ewing and Dan Slott are the writers. And Valerio Shiti as the artist. And not to be outdone, DC's Dark Knights colon Death Metal just started. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. This book is crazy. This is the whole dark multiverse thing, the Batman who laughs, the evil, the League of Evil Batman and Justice Leaguers. And it's it's a wild ride. Um if I can give you, I'll give you one spoiler okay. to sort of give you or the back, flavor, the penis. flavor of this book. Not or that back. wild. Uh, oh. no, not that wild. So the book starts and Wonder Woman's using a, a, a chainsaw for some reason. doing Visible something. chainsaw. Chainsaw re- truth. You've read it, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, um, they, they have to melt down the invisible jet and use the invisible metal. Are you serious? Yeah. So uh, Batman who laughs is like attacking and he's like, I know exactly. Yeah, like, I know every plan you're going to make. I'm a master tactician. You melted down the metal and you made a shield. And she's like, you're too close to Bruce. Bruce would make a shield. I made something else. And she has an invisible chainsaw. What the hell? It starts tearing through people. So it's that sort of crazy, dark grindhouse nonsense that's just, it's fun to enjoy. It's also got a big part of the Wally West, who now has the powers of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. For for reasons. (laughs) (laughs) And the idea, we're trying to make it all matter. Everything in the past happened and is important there, there's a new explanation, basically, of the history of DC, like DC fans just love. So oh, they eat this crap up. Oh, with a spoon. <laughs> so it was. There's two energies. Every every pole has two energies. The positive energy are things like you know, the, the positive, the justice. It's the speed force that Flash uses. It's the emotional spectrum that Green Lantern uses. It's all the good stuff that links us together and links us to the past. So on the opposite side of that, there's the negative energy. They call the crisis energy. This is the anti-life from dark side. This is the chaos magic of evil magicians. And this is the force of doom and greed. And so the idea is this, the DC universe was created out of this crisis energy. All right. So. Sounds right. Yeah. So this is the stuff. It looks to shatter connection and make only one moment important. It's to make you look at yourself and say, this is just about me. It's only about me. It's not about anything else. That's so how I this, usually look at the world. 
Right. So you're you're part of you. You've got the chaos <laughs> crisis. <laughs> so the DC reality started with this energy. Quote: A multiverse with no memory, living forever in a self-renewing loop of its own importance. A multiverse that would prey on others, absorb them, and forget them. So it's posing this Perpetua character that came out in the last Metal series was basically the creator of the DC universe. And she is like a storyteller and a creator of these, these things that feed on each other. And so uh, we just, we forget the past and we move on to new things and we erase things and we destroy things. When the positive energy, everything's supposed to exist at the same time. And it's a recurring theme. It's all reincarnation and return to things. So it's saying we need to ignore the crisis energy and go with the positive side. And then everything, all the zero hour, all the, you know, all the new 52 pre-crisis, post-crisis, it all happened. It's all real. And it's all one long string of positive DC energy. How about that? And an invisible chainsaw. That's good stuff. I explained it as best I could, but that's the gist I got from it. All right. Because that was kind of the doomsday clock idea that all this stuff, the past matters. History matters. We can't erase the past. We have to learn from it and embrace it. And that's what DC's trying to do. Instead of erasing past continuity, we're bringing it all together in a positive light. Well. I don't think I sold any more of those books. Yeah. I don't see anyone adding that to their pull list because of that description. <laughs> Started out good. <laughs> but the story's fun. It's Swamp Thing running around. It's a bunch of different Batman. There's a Batman whose brain is in a robotic T-Rex. <laughs> so there's that going for you. Yeah, you should have talked more about that in the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun and silly and wild, but it's trying to add some more stakes to the DC Universe as well. So how about that? I feel like that's a positive ending for this depressing episode. <laughs> yep, sounds good. All right, right. comic books, everyone. They're great. You did it. Was that believable? There's a teaser. This is a teaser. Teaser. Ooh, what is that? That's a comic book. It's a crossroad. See you at the crossroad. All right, everybody. We will catch you soon with another brand new episode. Thanks for listening. My name is Jordan Love. I'm Cliff Barnes. I'm Seth. Bye forever. Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udamwithkpp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. Kapow, the Pop Cultured Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. 
You can connect with us through social media on Facebook, YouTube, at the Kapow Podcast on Twitter, or email the show, Kapow, the Pop Culture Podcast at gmail.com. If you really want to go the extra mile, please sign up to be a patron through the Podbean app or our website, www.udownwithkpp.com, to receive special content and early access to some episodes. We are grateful to anyone that chooses to contribute, but please know that most of our content will always remain free. So please continue to like, comment, and share.